Snowball Spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. We're going to get into Bedlam. We're going to get into college football uh, in the middle of the show, in the end of the show. Man, the Michigan situation continues to intrigue me as far as what might happen. I think it's pretty obvious what was happening. And that was they were cheating their tails off. Now what's going to – there's a report from uh, Pete Thamel this morning that all of the coaches and ADs have had a teleconference with Tony Batiti, who is the brand-new Big Ten commissioner, last night. And the pressure is mounting for him to do something about this. What could that be? We can talk about that. We can talk Bedlam. Keys for Saturday's games. How long is it going to be until we see another regular season bedlam? There's tons of memories of this game. And here's my question. 15, 20 years worth of these-ish? Has there been another game that's delivered the way that bedlam has consistently delivered exciting down to the wire, fantastic games, entertaining game. And I don't know if there's been a more entertaining series than Bedlam has been for the last fifteen or twenty years. Talk that Thunder blow a massive lead to the Pelicans last night on their national TV debut. It was funny to watch Twitter after the first quarter. It was, I mean, national people. This team is so fun. I love them. And then the crickets after that as they blew the lead. Texas Rangers, Jared's Texas Rangers are world champions. Bunch of numbers out of this thing. Like firsts. A lot of firsts from this. And also, uh, Bob Knight passed away yesterday as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. It's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in. At 225-9698, if you're going to be outside... <clears throat> excuse me, the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on, <coughs> excuse me, log on to KADSAM.com or download the app. The app's got it all. Radio, it's got the Penny News. You can check out the Penny News online, thepennynews.com, or go pick up a free copy of this week's brand new edition of the Penny News out at your favorite local newsstand. Big Elk and Paragon TV, football tomorrow, basketball tomorrow. Uh, on on Paragon TV with the small school basketball cranking up for the season openers. And then the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show, you can find it anywhere podcast drop. How are you today, Jared? I'm sure wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. You're already getting a text. You think Atha is happy today uh, <laughs> on the text line. <laughs> it was uh, one of those when you wake up and you sit, tell yourself, that wasn't a dream. That really happened. It was awesome. It was awesome. I celebrated into the night. It's funny you said that wasn't a dream because uh, you sent me the final call from uh, Eric Nadell, and he actually references that. Here yeah. it comes. Spores kicks and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. 
The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise. The wait is over. And the celebration has begun. How long do you think that how how pre-scripted do you think in his mind that was? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think he as a broadcaster you're always thinking, well, what if this happens? What would you say? And and sometimes it just comes naturally. It just you know, you know. Come on. We we've done this long enough. I've I've called state championship games and uh, for instance, I mean, we're talking baseball when Canute won it and back in 2020, in the fall of 2020, and I, I made that call. And I wasn't sitting there thinking, what am I going to say? I was sitting there thinking, get three outs. Well, it's one but to nothing. It's, it was one to nothing. Let's get 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 three outs, boys. And and then it just, again, it just – I don't think he sat there and wrote a script the night before. I think he was – I think it just came naturally. No, but the difference is I do think he had half an inning to think about it. After the Raiders put the four up yeah. at the top of the ninth. When, yes, yes. As opposed to just watching and going, uh-oh. You know, or, or is this game, I mean, one swing there in the eighth inning could have totally changed it. Yeah. But then by the time it gets to the bottom of the ninth, you have that, you know, there's. A, I think he there is a time of reflection. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, it just comes out even if you think about it a lot of times it doesn't matter you don't say what you <laughs> unless you literally had a script written down with ready to read which nobody's going to do because you don't know how games are going right you know i mean it, uh, people always make fun of jim nance for like the the winning putt at the masters call and how much that he scripts that he claims he doesn't and maybe he's just that hokey and that good at it you know for that event but it sure his always I, sure sound like okay he's thought about this a little right, bit right and I think he has bullet points of of the who they think's gonna you know of the, of the going into Sunday it's like okay this sure. guy's from this town he uh, he's only been a pro for this long and, and and then all that and he I think he has puzzle pieces that he puts together when he makes that call yeah I think he does it on the fly but there's right. some yeah research anyhow so last night's game I mean it it. It just felt like there at the first, the first what five innings. It was inevitable that that the the Diamondbacks were going to score a run, and Evaldi just kept on and kept on making the biggest pitches of the game when he absolutely had to make them. Wiggle off the hook in all five innings in the first five, with runners in scoring position in every single of the first five innings. Meanwhile, on the other side. Gallon was perfect through five, and it, it was just like that. But there was that kind of in the back of your mind going, "Okay, the Diamondbacks can't continue to squander these opportunities because eventually, I mean, it's not like the Rangers going to get perfect gamed. You didn't think, right? And so eventually, you know, this could come back. Like, golly, they didn't score in the first. No, they didn't do it in the second. And, and as those built upon each other. He got the feeling that man, if if I did at least, if if the Rangers could figure out a way to get one run, that might just be the soul crusher that it takes because of the squandered opportunities of the Diamondbacks in those first five innings. For me, it was just get a hit. 
you know, because yeah. that pressure was mounting and mounting and mounting the later that game went on, and it was a big zero in the hit column. And just when they finally got that hit, I, that pressure for me anyways, and you know it's like that in the dugout, like, okay, the, we're wearing him down. Uh, he's wearing out. We we got that hit. That Now let's, let's build on this. Well, every and, one of them said it after the game. Every one of them said – when Corey finally got that hit in the in the seventh inning, it was like okay, yeah, you know, almost like that moment when Rocky hits Drago, and you realize he's a human and not some sort of some sort of computer or something, right? Yeah, and and then pushing the run across, and I'm with you. I thought that might be enough, and you know, and then Rangers had opportunities to, you know, I think they left the uh, what inning was it? It was that inning, seventh the inning. Bases loaded. Well, they had first and third, nobody first out. First and third, no one out. They couldn't get them and across. Could, yeah. And then um, that was the they ended up leaving the bases loaded. Then in that inning. Yeah, and, um, and I then, thought, man, and then getting in the pickle with uh, Carter at between third and home. That was seventh. Yes, I thought that. I don't want that to be the memory of the what if memory. See, I wondered. You know, when it happened, I totally understood why it happened that way, but on that hit by Garver. As it was second, third, nobody out in the seventh. Hit up the middle. Carter's on second. I wondered to myself, of course, the way the inning went, it didn't go the way that I'm sure the third base coach was thinking, hey, don't run us out of a big inning here by making the first out at home plate. Mm-hmm. But as it as Ginkle wiggled off the hook, and then he did it again in the eighth inning. But in, in that seventh, I wondered, God, is the third base coach sitting here going, I should have sent him. Right. Even though there was nobody out, and I totally understand why he didn't. It was more than the right play because you don't want to run yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. By you know, Instead of first and third, nobody out, you end up with a runner on first and one out because you got somebody thrown out at home when all you need is you know Young is coming up and a fly ball is certainly in his repertoire to drive another run in or what have you. But then as the way that inning played out and he ends up getting in the pickle after Young strikes out, then you're thinking – Boy, I bet he wishes he'd have sent him right, you know, just to to make Thomas make a play. Um, but you're right; it was it was it, it was amazing how that game flipped because for the first six innings, really the first five innings, every stitch of pressure was on Texas. They were the ones that had all the pressure on them, and Evaldi made the pitches. The guys behind him made the plays to keep it at a nothing nothing game. Then all of a sudden, the seventh, it was like, bam, Arizona finally has pressure. And, you know, as, as great as Gallon was, and he was awesome, that's all it took. <laughs> you know, that yeah. it, it was, I mean, when it got to be one nothing, we knew we were going to have the Araldis experience at some point. <laughs> but it just, it, it seemed like that one run was just a crusher to Arizona. Like, like they even thought to themselves, damn. That was our chance. We had our chance, and now we're not going to win this game because, you know, there's that stat out there, and it, and it remained. Neither of those teams lost when they scored the first run in the entirety of the postseason. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I go back to 11 when they're one strike away from winning and then one lazy line drive catch from winning, and, and I hate to pick the scab for Ranger fans because it, it's called an – the Nelly Cruz curse, you know, uh, right there off his glove. I don't, I don't say this to be mean to Arizona, but it was nice to see it happen to someone else when that ball went past the center fielder. That's that. And then I, I, 
drop to my knees knowing we won. That's it. That they've had that moment. It's finally, ha- you know, the tides have turned finally. So uh, crazy, crazy, crazy uh, turnaround for the Texas Rangers. And uh, still, I'm still soaking it in. It's still kind of like, did that just happen? Kind of mentality for me right now. Yeah. So it'll, it'll sink in. And I told my girls, I said, all I want for Christmas is World Series stuff. Yeah. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's a, we were sitting there watching, and it's you know the very first, first commercial. commercial is yeah, yeah. all the all the Texas Rangers World Series gear. Why it was like, golly, I can't believe that they have that all ready to go. I said, here's another deal, buddy. If you lived in like Uganda, you and yeah. you don't have internet, you're going to be disappointed one of these days if you ever get it that the Diamondbacks weren't the 2023 yeah. World Series champs because you're about to get a bunch of that gear yep. floating around. Uh, that's not going to be worth anything yeah. to buy. My kid too. She was Katie was looking at me like how, how did they how do they do? It's so just how it works. It's already there. That, there it is, and that's what I told her. That's what I want for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there, there's some amazing numbers out of this. So Texas is the third team, and this was this was going to be the case no matter who won this World Series. We talked about it when when Arizona got there to join Texas that this was going to be the third time in Major League Baseball history that a team was going to win a World Series within two years of a 100-loss season. Both teams two years ago lost 100, uh, at least. And so that Texas becomes the third team to do that, along with the 1969 uh, Mets and the uh, 1914 Braves. They were 68-94 and 94 a year ago, Texas was. That's the worst record in the history of baseball a year prior to winning a World Series. The 11-game uh, road winning streak has continues a record. Uh, it was already a record at 10. Um, <clears throat> Bruce Bochy is now the sixth manager to win at least four World Series, and he's the only one to do it with multiple organizations. Uh, he's also – this is this is an interesting one. Uh, I'm kind of surprised this is a thing, but shouldn't be, I guess. He's the first manager ever – to win the World Series for and against the same franchise. No one had ever done that until last night. Obviously, the 2010 Giants beat the Rangers in the World Series. Uh, Bochy was the manager in, in San Francisco. Now he turns around and wins one with the Rangers. Nobody had ever done that. Uh, Corey Seager, fourth person to win multiple World Series MVPs. That award started in 1955, so I'm sure there would have been, you know, Babe Ruth oh, yeah. winning, yeah. but it didn't start till 1955. Uh, Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson, the others. And then he and Reggie are the only to do it with multiple teams. Incredible numbers. And then this this has to be – I didn't see that this was a record, but I'm going to go ahead and fire it out there that it is. Will Smith, the reliever for the Rangers, mm-hmm. has now won three straight World Series with three different teams. Three straight? He's won three. He's been on three straight World Series winning teams, uh, World Series winning teams, and they've all been different. Three in a row. That's crazy. Three different. So it went what? Braves, Astros, and now Rangers. Now Rangers. That has to be a record. So he's going to be highly sought after in the offseason <laughs> by anybody that wants to win a World Series. That's crazy. Uh, I had this thought this morning. I wonder what this win, what this title does for the Rangers' chance of. Well, Shohei Otani saw the odds of uh, next year, the, and they're like third or fourth in, in odds to win it next year behind, I think, Braves were the favorite. They're actually tied with Houston. 
and but it had a little caveat in there it said this could all change depending yeah. on where otani could go and then i had that thought well does this make them a contender in the otani race does this say can they go we win titles here otani come on or or even in the, in the market that's all up in the air i think the favorite is the dodgers but makes me makes makes you wonder and it makes you wonder who else not just otani but who else so the off season winter meetings everything is going to be really interesting uh, for arlington or in arlington and see if they can keep this uh ride of momentum going in a you, positive way you know why they won right why you know why texas won this world series they i, I don't know tell me why there's an there's an obvious answer. There's one major league baseball franchise this season that did not host a pride night. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that someone tweeted that. One major league organization that didn't host pride night. And that organization, the Texas Rangers. I saw that. They did not bend the knee <clears throat> to the crazies and they were rewarded handsomely. For the first time in their uh, history, they win the World Series. No, I can tell you this, though, and, and believe me, I would know, they do still serve Bud Light in the stadium. So you can't <laughs> blame Bud Light for if they were lost. So anyway, no. And, uh, well, all I saw was Bud Weiser. I saw a picture of the yeah. kind of the leftovers at the yeah. clubhouse. Oh, there was nothing there left was, over. There was Budweiser man, crushed. Yeah, man, the, that was awesome watching the postgame stuff. That was really cool. Really cool. Bochini, you think he'd win he wins these a lot now. He's just a regular at winning these world titles. You think he'd invest in some goggles when he yeah. goes into the <laughs> locker room. He's like the only one who doesn't have goggles and he's the one guy they're all spraying. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> he's got two fake hips and a fake knee. He's not worried about some yeah. eyes. He'd be all right. I think wasn't he the old scrap iron? Was that his nickname? I don't know. Seemed like maybe that was his <laughs> nickname that was out there before. Um Okay, so we've we've got some tickets to give away. If anybody wants to go to JC Cowboys Saturday night in Weatherford. Oh yeah, who's gonna be there? Josh Ward and Braxton Keith. Cool. They put on good shows. Phil Garner. There. Yeah, Phil Garner was scrap iron, that's right. So Josh Ward and Braxton Keith Saturday night. Now I have two separate questions. I've got a baseball question and I've got a college football question. Both of which have five answers. Okay. So which one do you think we ought to go with? Should we go with baseball because of the Rangers winning the title last night? Yeah, in honor of the of, Okay. Yeah, and let's and because and here's the deal. They came off of this list last night. Mm, oh, oh. So going okay. into last night, there were six franchises in Major League Baseball history that had not won a world title. Rangers come off that list leaving five. Tell me who the five organizations are that have never won the World Series. And you will get to go for free to Josh Ward and Braxton Keith at JC Cowboys. Two two five nine six nine eight. Text us in your answers. Let's see if anybody can come up with the five. I could. Th- I thought of four. And then I, they even flashed that up last yeah. night during the broadcast. I I can't remember who it was though. All right. Two two five nine six nine eight. Five organizations in Major League Baseball that have not won a World Series title now that the Rangers have. We have a winner. Dakota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I ask, what are the five Major League organizations that have not won a world title? 
And the answers, the answer is the Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, the Colorado Rockies, the Tampa Rays, and unfortunately, wah, wah, my will my Milwaukee Brewers. The, uh, based on the longevity of these teams, like I'm trying to, I don't know these, and I, they flashed that up there too when they were established. Some of those like Padres, Mariners. I'm I'm, I'm surprised they haven't won one yet. Brewers, huh? The Brewers, Brewers too. They got to be the oldest. Rockies, they came around the nineties, didn't they? Yeah, Rockies and uh, Rockies and Rays were at the same time, right? Yeah, I don't know. But you know those teams that we just mentioned, like Mariners. I remember some really real. I can remember some really good Mariners teams. Well, yeah, in the nineties. In the nineties, and it just blows. Yeah. Um. Let's You'd see. You think eventually they'd break through? Mariners are the five years apart. That's right. It was Marlins and Rockies at the same time. Oh, okay. Um, the Mariners have never even been to the World Series. Everybody else has. Yeah. I don't think the Mariners have ever even made one. Closest they I mean, see in 1995, they were in the American League Championship Series, lost to the Indians, who then lost to the Braves. For the Braves' only title in that giant long run of really good teams. Oh my yeah. gosh! Um, Padres were in the series against the Yankees. What in '98? Got pretty well destroyed. The Rockies were in the uh, World Series against Boston. Was that 2007? Expos don't count. Expos have made the World Series. They're the Washington Nationals. They've won one. They won one. <clears throat> right? Yeah. I mean, that's where they went, so that has to count. I mean, they didn't actually as the Expos. But then that goes into the question of do you count it because, like, here's, okay, for example, if the Thunder win a title, no, is Seattle, Seattle going no. to be going, yeah, no. well, that that's a Seattle Thunder thing, yeah, it, or a, or a Supersonics Thunder. Because Oklahoma City certainly isn't claiming the Supersonics title. No, and I think there was... Uh, it, but they it, did say they, Seattle will hold on to their... That's it. So I wonder if Montreal still has the... That, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm asking. I if wonder... They, if, yeah. if, they, if they kept hold of it. Yeah. I don't know. I've got another trivia question. As we head into college football, there are now five teams after Kansas. So Kansas had never been ranked in a college football playoff poll ever since it started. There's now five teams left on that list that have never been ranked. Only five? There's only five. Like, power, uh, five. power five. Power five. Okay. Yeah, obviously, power five. Okay. Yeah, only five Power Five teams have never been ranked in the college football playoff poll. The answer's on my desk, so I have to go get it when we take another break. But I do have them written down. I think I can think. I can think of most of them in my head, which is pretty wild to think that there's still five out there that haven't. But there are. So that's your next question out there. Two two five nine six nine eight. Give me the five teams 
in the Power Five that have yet to be ranked in a college football playoff poll after Kansas made it this week. All right, what do you give me a minute? I, I think I can. Well, put you, this you get all the, you get all the way until the next the start of the next segment okay. when I go get the answer off my desk. Right. I forgot to write it down. What do you think is going to happen to Michigan? Man, a lot of pressure that something should happen, right? There's, you mentioned the teleconference, I guess, or Zoom call or whatever. Uh, a lot of media pressure too. Feinbaum kind of went off on him. On, on, on not just Harbaugh, but on, on the Big Ten for not doing anything yet. So here's my question about that. All of a sudden yesterday, I mean, th- this story broke, what, two weeks ago-ish? Mm-hmm. Something like that? And then all of a sudden yesterday, after the first rankings were revealed, like every single show on ESPN started going after Michigan. Do you think that they finally realized, hey, you know what? Fox has the Big Ten, not us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was amazing. It's like it's like a company. It's like a company wide email went out in ESPN properties and went. It's time to start bashing Michigan and trying to get something done here because they we don't have them anymore. It was so yeah. weird how it reminded you of of like politics. How they, you know, some organization runs a poll. And they see the national, they see the results across the nation of what people think about it. And then one side or the other starts parroting those lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's what it reminded me of with ESPN. Is like they finally they they realized, wait a minute, we don't have them. Right, we don't have to shoot ourselves <laughs> in the foot here. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that funny. is what the problem is with the Big Ten front office is they they don't either. I think they're very reluctant to do something because it could cost them money right i for sure if you're taking out i mean a lot of people think michigan is better than ohio state so they still got to play but it could be their only shot this season of getting a team into the playoff but if they go and say well we got to vacate those wins or we got to bar you from the big 10 championship game and that could cost them a lot of money, the, the conference itself. So this new commissioner, he's he's kind of in a tough spot. But now he's but it sounds like the other coaches, they don't care. No, they don't care about any of that. <clears throat> they want they want harsh punishment. And that's that's always been I think Bill got the right answer on the text line oh. with the five teams that haven't been ranked. I'm pretty sure that's right. I'd have to look. There's one that I'm not 100% sure. The first four. Well, I think uh, everybody would have said Vanderbilt first. So <laughs> yeah, the first. That's the easy I know. Answer. I know the first There's four. There's your first clue. I know yeah. the first four are right. Um, this was always going to be the, the remedy to this problem if it happened this season. Because of the, with the glacial speed at which the NCAA moves, that, the NCAA, in my mind, was never an answer to this problem. Because they just don't do things that fast, as far as this season, and and punishing Michigan in some way that might affect their national title hopes, might affect the employment of Jim Harbaugh. It was always, in my mind, going to have to come from the Big Twelve or the Big Ten. And while I agree a hundred percent about the Big Ten brass thinking, Michigan is our meal ticket because they're our best team. And they're our way to 
enhance the dollars coming back from the the playoff. Are those dollars high enough to alienate the 13 other teams in your conference, which is just about to grow by, what, four? Yeah. Next year. So now you're talking about 17 versus one. How does it refresh me? I don't know. I don't even have a memory of this. How does a conference hire their commissioner? It's the is it the presidents who kind of act like a board president slash chancellor whatever they call that person yeah. and they they yeah that's that's how I could think it there happens. There be pressure there where Million they percent. come in and go listen bud do your job or we'll find someone else who can yes 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 and that's where it comes down to thirteen versus one or net seventeen versus one mm-hmm. moving forward and that <clears throat> what that is I don't know. Now, we were talking with Coach Maynard after you know our stuff yesterday, and he was he asked, "Has anything happened?" And I was like, Not yet. And how does that affect the college football playoff? So, what is this year ten? Yeah, twenty fourteen, and this is twenty twenty three. So year ten now of the college football playoff. What is the one constant talking point we've heard in those ten years? from the committee quality wins conference championships championships. matter yeah yeah and so if you're the big 10 you're looking at it like this you're maybe you're trying to have your cake and eat it too and that is you bar michigan from playing for your conference championship. But the problem is Michigan is your undefeated team. Say they beat Penn State, say they beat Ohio State. And so now you're thrown so, so you're you're thrown into the same conundrum that a Big 12 will be best case scenario now. Maybe a Pac-12 will be. But the caveat in that is if let's just say let's just say it's OU and Texas because they are the two highest ranked teams in the college football playoff rankings right this week. It could change next week, whatever. But right now, let's say those two play. Whoever wins is now a one-loss Big Twelve champion with a win over a top ten team. And if it's Oklahoma, two of them over that same team. Then you go to let's say Oregon beats Washington. In the in a, an undefeated Washington in the Pac-12 title game, the wins that Oregon would have stacked up, and then you compare, say Ohio State beats Penn State. Well, they can't. They have to beat Iowa or whoever that is. When you start comparing those wins and those resumes for the conference champs, there's going to be that hanging out there for the committee. Well, they didn't even beat the best team in their league. So does that give the committee that is the committee tied at that point the Big 12 cha- or the Big 10 champ doesn't compare with the others quite like it would have if it was Michigan undefeated obviously but then you've also got this you've also got this other team hanging out there that didn't win their conference title that hasn't lost 
<laughs> you know what do you do? It, what do you do with them? That yeah. that might be the only way the Big Ten can't make the playoff. Right. And so that, but on the other hand, could the committee eat, would, would they take a non-champion undefeated Michigan? Would that be an option when it comes that, down to it? So then, then I go back into that's where your it, Big Ten has their cake and eat it too. They, yeah, they, yeah. they get rid of Michigan for the for the title in the conference, but then they also have them available to be selected for the playoff. I go back now. I'm still. This is still going to be a thing. I think for me is that committee. Eventually, it's going to come up, and they're going to start saying, "Listen, we got to consider the fact that." There's some major allegations about them cheating and sign stealing. We got to consider that when we're picking what to do with these teams and what to do with Michigan. You know what I mean? Well, I don't it, think that was a th- consideration this first go round, but eventually that is going to creep into that room. Someone's going to stand up and say, listen, I don't want to put them in the top four because of Harbaugh's cheating allegations. I don't care if they're undefeated. I don't care about any of that. I, I can see that that conversation is going to be had. But I see what you're saying with the Big Ten. I mean, that's that they could be like, hey, we got an opportunity to get two in. Let's bar them from the that they're, they're going to go undefeated. Let's let's keep them out of the championship game. And we we got an opportunity to get Ohio State and Michigan in. Well, gosh, at this point, you, at this point, you think with with what we're hearing from last night and the the outrage from all the other members of the Big Ten, coaches, ads included. At this point, you would think they have to do something to them. Now, what that something is, I don't know. But uh, looking at the committee, Jim Grobe is a former uh, a former coach. Chris Alt is a former coach. Chris Alt coached at Nevada. Jim Grobe was at uh, uh, Wake Forest and some others. I guess uh, if I if I'm one of those committee members, Will Shields is a player. Don't you stand up? When Michigan, when when the, when the talk of Michigan comes about, don't you stand up and look at those guys, those coaches, and go, "Okay, you guys are the ones that did this for a living. How much of an advantage was this, or could this potentially have been?" And from the coaches that you hear from, either I mean, Bob Stoops was out there. On these airwaves a week ago, Friday, talking about how huge an advantage it would be. You're starting to see some coaches anonymously, and especially defensive coaches, anonymously around the country and around that conference going, well, yeah, it makes a difference if you know what they're doing. For our defense, for sure. It's like playing cards and someone's holding them backwards. Yeah, they know. Like, yeah, you, you, know. you already know the play. Oh, okay. I mean, literally. Yeah. And so that's where it is a humongous advantage in my mind. And that's why it, it, I don't think Michigan should get to play in the playoff, and I don't think they should get to play for a Big Ten title. Well, I agree. I don't think that yeah. should happen. No, I agree. Now the question, does the committee take that uh, – do they look like they're innocent and proven guilty or guilty until proven innocent? Here is my thing about that question right there. Who have you not heard from? Harbaugh? 
if they were innocent, don't you think he'd be out in front of this telling everybody this is what happened and not that? Right. Jim McElwain, Central Michigan, you saw that stuff. Mm -hmm. Him, he couldn't have looked more guilty. But if you're that guy, why would you cover it up? You say, hey, we knew him on the staff. He was on the staff. We know him. We didn't know what he was doing. And you're done with it. But what's crazy is Jim McElwain has answered more questions about this than Jim Harbaugh has. Yeah. And that's where I think I, I think you have to look at it as guilty until, until proven innocent. Because the last thing you want is for is to have to vacate a national title in the playoff era. The whole point of the playoff is to prove it on the field. And the last thing you want to do is Michigan prove that they're the best team on the field, no matter how they got there. And then the explosiveness of all of this comes out. And then you had to make the decision to, oh, you know, hindsight's yeah. not twenty twenty in this in this regard. Hindsight is forward sight right now. So <clears throat> I think the pressure with, with what we heard from last night, it's mounting massively on the Big Ten to do something. And in my mind, that something is keep the, the big the only thing the Big Ten itself can do is keep Michigan from playing for the for the Big Ten title. I've heard the argument of this was before the playoff is the play. You know, to me, that's yeah. separate issue. That those two entities make their choice, not necessarily together. I've heard um, um, this argument before last night's conference call with with all all coaches yeah. outside of Harbaugh, obviously. I think so, yeah. And and here's the deal: they set it up. Yeah. So you know they're mad. I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's another layer of I, upset. Sometimes you – and I've heard people say, well, you know, this is just – this part of the game, everyone does it, da-da-da-da. And if that were the case, all the coaches would be silent. Like, yeah, we're not going to – this is something that's always been going on everywhere. We're not going to – but that's not the case. When these coaches are putting this together, because if they had some skeletons in their closet, they wouldn't be putting up these conference calls, putting together these conference calls and asking uh, – for a Harbaugh's head. So, um, yeah, not everyone's doing this. Clearly, this was centralized at Michigan and and Harbaugh. He knows. He knew. He knows what's going on. Of course, he did. He knows There's what's going no. on. He's he's a snake. He's you've always heard that he's always been a bad dude, just not a good guy. And this just adds fuel to that fire too. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. And I guess, like you said, both of us, we're busy with Halloween and the baseball last Tuesday and I, I when does this start to get addressed by the committee in those questions it's gonna have to it's going to have to have that conversation has to be had in that room no doubt You're on the text line with the way that the, the uh, NCAA the state of the NCAA you know are they gonna get in some sort of hurry to, to rule on Michigan? Well, I thought we we thought, or you thought, that they yeah. would. Yeah, that's well, not what you're asking. It, eventually, maybe. But as far as this season and affecting this yeah, Michigan a lot team, of it, I don't, the NCAA, that's, that's for down the line. That's the thing, too, is that it, 
when when this stuff happens, when major punishments are handed out, it's usually in the off season. You don't see it in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one where that is happening in the middle of an ongoing season where you're told, oh, well, those those wins don't count, or you know, it, it, because it takes. There's a lot of investigating to go on, and a lot of it's, looking that's into. what I'm saying. The pace. And I mean, well, that's why I think we're seeing us. How long ago yeah. did that Kansas basketball investigation start? Wait, Six years, right? With FBI wiretaps as evidence, and it still took six years, and nothing happened. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, the the class, the, the recruiting class in Michigan of like 2027. It's going to be the ones affected by any NCAA, but that's not. That's why the Big Ten is the one that could dole out the punishment now, if it's going to happen. It would have to have come from the conference. So yeah, it, it kind of. I think what Dakota's saying on the text line is about. It, yeah, what if it takes so long and then you decide to punish Michigan? You got kids who are probably who were never on campus when this was happening, oh, yeah. and, and then they're getting punished. Harbaugh needs to be punished. It, it has to start with him. Well, and, and here's It has the thing, to be him. And here's the thing about that, and and that's I agree with that 100%. And everyone, there's a whole bunch of people that feel like maybe part of some of this Harbaugh-isms is because he wants to go back to the NFL as soon as the season is over. And so this is literally the only chance it looks, there, there's a possibility of at least, the only chance that you can harm Jim Harbaugh is right now. And if that's the case, it has. To, I think it's going to have to be the Big Ten because the NCAA doesn't move fast enough. Right. And maybe for the later teams, like what we normally see with NCAA stuff, maybe the Big Ten doling out the punishment now alleviates that, mm-hmm. that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they go back, if, let's say it takes like the KU and it's like five or six years. Say in five years they come out and say uh, Jim Harbaugh can't coach in the, in the NCAA football no more. Well, he doesn't want to anyway, you know. But at least, at least if you do it right now, say, I want to move to Vegas. <laughs> if you do it now, if you do it right now, that 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 you actually give punishment to the people that benefited. And and I think one thing that that's hard to wrap your mind around is a lot of a lot of times these things have strictly recruiting implications, right? People are cheating and recruiting. And so, golly, do you hurt? Do you hurt the team because the coaches were? See, this isn't that. The players are directly benefiting in the win loss column from what's going on right now. Yes. And so, that's where I don't have much sympathy for even the players on this team. Oh, you can't. You got to just harm. You know, fire Harbaugh. You can't harm the play. Well, this is on field advantages being gained by what they're doing. Right. All right, I mentioned Bedlam. We'll, we'll talk all about the game tomorrow. It's uh, coming up. But tomorrow we'll talk about the game on Saturday, I should say. What are your some of your uh, – this game is delivered. Yeah. As much or better than any game in college football for the last 15 or 20 years. Exciting, thrilling, entertaining games. Even games that are like 10-point finishes are – I mean, I think of 62, 52, 52 and twenty seventeen. That was one. It was as, as wow. entertaining a game as there ever was. Right. It just happened to be a ten point game after Sermon ran down the field with variant. But that was what I'm saying is it's closer than what it looked. So, what are some of the memories that you have of of the Bedlam series? Oh, man, there's so many. You mentioned the great games. 
Um, uh, going back, how about was it 01 the, the upset? Oklahoma State pulled off the upset uh, by near, and they nearly did it in 2000. And then they followed it up. I was actually at that game in Stillwater in 02, where Woods is still open, last I checked, you know, running all over the place. And so there's those upsets. But the, the redemption, I call it the redemption game, the letter rip game. It wasn't a close game by any means, but it was a statement made by OU. It's like, this is still our state. You've won the last two, but we're going to emphatically beat you this time. And they did, um, you know, beating the Les Miles team. And, and there's a goal line stand in that game. There's a lot of a lot of fun stuff in that game. Uh, and then, the you know, the shootouts uh, with the the ones that you mentioned, that and they just always seem to deliver. And then – I always go into the game thinking, oh, this is going to be, you know, when you, Bedlam for me is when you think there's a clear winner or a clear favorite, and then throw that all out because you still get an exciting game. Because those teams I mentioned in the early 2000s, those were not good Oklahoma State teams, or at least the the 2001 wasn't, and the 01 was a little better, but, you know, everyone thought Oklahoma's a defending champ, they should win in Norman easily. So sometimes, and then the the year, uh, Goodness, I'm horrible with years. The Caleb Williams year felt like this is just going to be Oklahoma State's game to lose. They're going to go in there and they're going to win this game. And OU still had a shot to win that game. There's so many memories. Um, even ones are when I'm barely, I mean, I'm barely walking the ice bowl. You always hear about that. What was that 88? 85. 85. Um, so. You can look them up. There's a ton of memories. Yeah, 88. I can't just narrow them down. And so we got Brent Parker in 88 dropping the pass and still watering the end That's the one. Zone. Yeah, that's the from Gundy. Barry Sanders. Sanders. And Rams. Mike Gaddis yeah. going back and forth running it. Um, it, it but it really kind of, yeah, you can go, you got to go do Tradio. But to me, it really starts, it really starts with less miles and being competitive. You're fine. I got you off. And being competitive against Oklahoma. On a year in year out basis, you know Bob Simmons at the end of his tenure there, but then Miles went in the first two, and I hadn't seen that from any Oklahoma State coach. And of course, like Jared said, the letter rip game in two thousand three, and then Gundy Gundy Stoops battling each other <clears throat> really kind of elevated it to to what it is now. I mean, the iconic moments in the game, uh, you know Bradford flipping out of bounds. In 2008, uh, the play on the sideline, I think it was 2010, up in Stillwater, when Broderick Brown tipped it back in for that intercept, a play that you'd never seen before. Uh, obviously, the repunt to Tyreek Hill is one of those moments that you're always going to remember. Hollywood Brown earning that nickname in Stillwater in 2017, and so on and so forth. It, it's This game has just been so entertaining and close and and quite frankly I, I don't think it hurts that it's a it's been shootouts a bunch of the time because people you know people would rather watch that than than nine to six you know 62 52 is, is more entertaining I was in the stadium uh, there's another one on the text line Brennan Clay walking it off in overtime I was in the stadium uh, for that one in Norman uh, which was just uh, uh, you know OU fans at that time and maybe even still like to act like it's not a rivalry. Boy, it sure seemed like one in the in the stands that day. Just pandemonium as Blake Bell tied it, and then Brendan Clay ended up winning the game with the with a run right down the middle of the field against Oklahoma State. 
and so uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it delivers. There's no doubt it delivers uh, from an entertainment standpoint. They're usually close. And quite frankly, and this is just the truth, and if you want to get mad, you can, OSU fans, but there's also a pretty obvious connection to these games. They're close, they're hard fought, they're fun to watch, and at the end of the day, the team in Crimson and Cream makes the plays to win the game that the team that the that in uh, Orange and Black doesn't. Gundy 3-15 and 15 against the Sooners in his 18 years. Yeah, at Oklahoma State. So the, this game, it's it's, uh, it's pretty intriguing. First time that I can remember, and basically anybody can remember, that you're going to have a player playing for the first time on both sides of it with Trace Ford. He was on uh, with the guys before us. Uh, Gundy was asked about what he's seen from Trace Ford in OU uniform this year. He kind of made a little, sh- took a little shot saying I hadn't noticed him on film. That question was asked to Trace this morning, and he said, I can't wait to play him. I can't wait to see his face. If he hasn't seen me on film yet, I hope he does this weekend. So there's a little bit of that. The poor guy, the the, the offensive lineman Cooper, who came out and, and tried to take a shot at OU fans, saying that none of them went to school there and everybody. And then you go back through his Twitter timeline when he was a young kid and uh, he was one of those OU fans that didn't go there. That, that, that hasn't worked out very well for him online. But it's just – it's it's it doesn't feel – as hated as it once did. And like a bunch of stuff in college football, doesn't feel like it's quite as as nasty and as hate-filled as it once was. But it's still a really important game for everybody in this state, uh, which are on either side of this rivalry. And it would be hard to stomach, I think, as uh, for the OU fans, with the dominance that the Sooners have displayed in this rivalry throughout the years, does that all go away and and nobody cares that OU dominated the series for the first hundred or whatever years if Oklahoma State has scoreboard when the thing ends? I think that's a, that's a pretty interesting thought after the way that OU's dominated. For years and years and years in this series, Oklahoma State gets the last laugh on Saturday. We'll talk about it all day tomorrow. High school football tomorrow as well, week 10 of the regular season. Go through some of the district scenarios for the schools in Western Oklahoma. Everybody have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow. Skinny on Sports right here on the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. <laughs>